Uh, summer is, is coming to a close. Schools, some schools in our area have started. Other schools are starting this Wednesday. Uh, preschool here starts the, the Tuesday after Labor Day. So, so it's kind of that, that dwindling. Oh. And for every parent, it's yes. Here comes school. Here comes school. This this morning we're we're continuing our our summer sermon series where we've been journeying through uh, the parables of Jesus. And my hope for us is that as we we've, we've unpacked some of these parables, we have gleaned something about what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God in today's world. So that we've been able to take take some of Jesus's teaching and say, oh, that's what he meant, and and this is what it means for us now and today. The parable that we're looking at this morning isn't necessarily a traditional one in, in the sense that it, it doesn't start the same way as the others do, but it does carry the same components as all of the different parables that we've, we've looked at this summer. It includes truths about God's kingdom. This is what it looks like to be a part of God's kingdom and truths about living in today's world. And, and here's how it looks to live in today's world and in, in what it means to be a part of God's kingdom in today's world. If you have your Bibles will be in Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 13. The words will also be up on the screen. Will you please pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we, we thank you for the gift of your word and for the opportunity we're given uh, to open the Bible together, to spend some time uh, learning from it and, and learning to apply it to our lives. God, as we look at another one of Jesus' parables this morning, we ask that you'd give us ears to hear what you have for us. And Lord, I ask that you would take my words and use them for your kingdom. We pray these things in your name. Amen. The, the parable we're about to read happens right after Jesus teaches the disciples what we know to be as, as the Lord's Prayer. Last summer, we, we journeyed through the Lord's Prayer, and one of the things that we, we discovered about the Lord's Prayer is that Really, it, it could be more of the disciples' prayer, right? It was a prayer that gave the disciples, kind of made them official. It, it, it said, okay, we are a, a people. We now have a creed. We now have a confession. John read earlier, we led us in an affirmation of faith on the confession of 1967, which is one of the confessions that defines us as Presbyterians. The Lord's Prayer, same, same sort of thing. It gave common language for who followers of Christ were in that day and really for who followers of Christ are today. By this time, the disciples, they had journeyed with Jesus for a while, so they would have witnessed a lot of his prayer life. They, they would have seen him go off early in the morning on his own. Maybe not knowing exactly what he prayed, but they would have seen it modeled that he went off on his own. They would have heard him lead in worship, they would have heard him in synagogues lead and kind of heard some of the language that he used there. And they still needed some clarity that they had seen him pray. They had heard him pray, but they still needed a little bit of clarity, a little bit of what is this really all about? Can you can you give us something? Can you give us something? And then he gives them an outline of a very simple Prayer, a very simple prayer. It's, it's shorter in the Gospel of Luke than it is in Matthew. And, and in some ways, because it's shorter, it makes it more direct. The, the prayer starts with, with an address, Father, Father, addressing the relationship God has with God's children. 
The, the Greek expression that's used here in Luke's Gospel comes from the Aramaic word Abba, which, which sometimes, loose translation, is, is, is daddy, or, or a close relationship with a father and a son. So a, a really close relationship with a father and, and a child, I should say. And it's a term that, that delineates both respect and reverence. While also kind of saying this, this intimate, close relationship. So father. And in prayer, it kind of helps us say, okay, we're, we're invited to draw near to God. God longs to have a close relationship with us. And at the same time, we're, we're drawn into this sense of awe. And then there's the, the two statements. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. There's statements about who God is. Hallowed, completely other, holy, set apart, and about what followers of Christ hope for and work toward in the world. It's not just about eternal life here. It's about, about more than that. We long for creation to be restored and for injustice and pain and fear to be destroyed, to all go away. And then lastly, the three requests. Give us this day our, our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive others and do not bring us to the time of trial which we usually translate as keep us safe from the evil one deliver us from the evil one really keep us from ourselves keep us from from the evil one that is in this world it's a simple model of prayer one address two statements three requests you could say it's the one two threes or the abc's of, of, of prayer. It's a good model for us to follow, whether we, we use the exact words of the Lord's Prayer in our prayer life, or whether we pray something or else, something else. I, I would suggest that we, we follow a model like this. Then we get to the parable for this morning, starting at Luke chapter 11, verse 5. And he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend. And you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, Lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Search or seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Every night when I, when I put my children to bed, um, we, we, we have a very simple prayer that, that I say a line. I've talked about this some on Sunday mornings before. I say a line. They repeat after me. They say, they say a line. And the hope is that, that in this kind of fun bedtime routine that at some point they are developing a prayer language for themselves, a routine for, for themselves. 
And I have to imagine when, when Jesus teaches his followers to, to pray, that's kind of what he's doing. He's saying, here is a routine. Here is a model. Here is some language for you to use when you pray. Well, the other night, um, we were, we were putting the kids to bed and, and I was on, on Thomas. Thomas was my four-year-old son. I was, I was putting him to bed and he had the giggles. He, he had the giggles. And, and sometimes those giggles can be contagious. Um, so he, he just couldn't hold it together. So I, I started the prayer. I, I, I said the first line, the same one I say almost every night. God, we thank you for today. Dear God, we, we thank you for today. And he stopped me and said, no, Dad, you repeat after me tonight. All right, go for it, buddy. Let's hear it. And he prayed, dear God. Then there's this long pause. He started giggling. He started chuckling. He said, dear God, thank you for it. <laughs> started giggling. And then he, 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 he cracked himself up and he, he went into this long litany of things that four-year-old boys are thankful for, but don't think they can use like it's not, not God language. And so, so he, he, he goes into four-year-old potty humor and says, God, thank you for this. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. And he's cracking himself up. Absolutely cracking himself up. We're, we're, we're lying in bed laughing hysterically together. And I remember thinking, I hope my son never loses the sense of humor. And it was comforting to know that in Thomas's mind, at least, prayer isn't this big, scary thing. Right? Prayer, prayer isn't this thing that, you know what, we have prayer language and then we have language that, that God doesn't want to hear. It's not, not this big scary thing, at least not yet, anyway. Now, now, prayer is definitely sacred. It's a time where we connect with God, where we share our hearts and, and we, we long to be aligned with God's heart. But I also think that sometimes we can take it so seriously thinking we have to have the perfect words or, or have the right frame of mind or, or whatever it might be, that we just don't pray at all. But we think that we've got to be so serious about it that we just think, you know, yeah, I don't want to bother God with that today. Or, eh, it's not even really something we, we think through. When the disciples ask Jesus to teach them to pray, Jesus responds with a very simple format. And I think it's intentional. One address, two statements about who God is and our relationship with God, three requests. One address, two statements, three requests. The ABCs are the one, two, threes of prayer. Simple. And I think, I think Jesus is intentional with, with being simple there. And then he shares a parable that illustrates how straightforward, how back and forth prayer can, can really be. The parable reminds his earliest followers and, and us really that a, a simple prayer is something that's consistent, persistent, and expectant. Consistent, persistent, and expectant. When the disciples ask Jesus to pray, they're, they're asking for a, a sense of consistency. You know, last summer, as I said earlier, when we unpacked the, the Lord's Prayer, one of the things we talked about is that the, the disciples really longed to be made official. Jesus, we've been following you for some time. Can you kind of put your stamp of approval that this is who we are, just like John's disciples had? John's disciples had a saying that kind of defined them. Jesus, can you give us something that makes us official? Rabbi, 
Can you give us something that, that, that makes us a, a people? Now, in the first century, a, a group of followers, they, they wouldn't really become a, a community until this happened, until their rabbi gave them language. Again, it's the same reason that denominations and churches today have different confessions and creeds that say, this is what we believe. Whenever we, we do a new members class here, I, I try to use this illustration where we, we take Scripture, we take Scripture and we, we put it down, and then on top of Scripture, we, we set what we call our book of confessions. What, what John led earlier in our affirmation of faith, we put our book of confessions down on top of the Bible, and we say that our book of confessions is interpreting Scripture, interpreting historical events, I should say, through the lens of Scripture. Our book of confessions is interpreting historical events through the lens of Scripture, saying this is what we believe Scripture says about what we are living through today. And then on top of the, the book of confessions, those two of you who are tried and true Presbyterians, is the book of order, right? Everything we do in the Presbyterian church is decent and in order. The book of order is essentially the how-to. This is how you order your life together, which is built on the book of confessions, which interprets, this isn't hard, what's this? The Bible. The Bible. So that we are, we, we prioritize Scripture over everything. We prioritize Scripture. But, but then we need some language to say, and this is who we are. This is who we are. And so that's, that's where the, the, the Lord's Prayer comes from. And the Lord's Prayer gives the disciples that, that common language. A couple of weeks ago, I got an email from a friend, uh, a childhood friend, somewhat seemingly out of, out of the blue. And uh, we grew up in the church together, grew up in the same church together. And he was the kid, some of you might have memories of kids like this in Sunday school, who knew all the answers. He was as Greg Sprague. Um, he, he was the kid who, in, in third grade, in third grade, we had to memorize the books of the Bible while jumping rope. That was Sunday school. You had to jump rope and learn the books of the Bible, and you got extra credit if you could do it backwards. Well, Danny could do it backwards. I sure couldn't do it backwards, but Danny could do it frontwards and backwards. Danny, as he grew up in youth group, as he went off to Stanford for college, he was, he was always this, this guy who just had this deep faith, brilliant mind, deep faith, and he, and he sent this, this email. To this day, I still see him that way. Devout, devout, deep faith. And he sent this, this email to his friends who are pastors. Uh, he, he, his friends who are pastors who are leaders in their church. And, and it basically said, look, I've been through so much over these last couple of years. And he has. He's, he's been through a lot over the last couple of years. That... I, I'm just struggling to hear God. I'm, I'm just, I don't, I don't hear God anymore. And I need you, my, my friends, to tell me stories of where you have seen God move in your lives, in your congregation's lives. I need that other side. I need, I need that other side. And as we emailed back and forth, I realized that, that all that's been happening recently in his life, again, and it has been a lot, has shaken what once was this, this, this stable sense of, of who he was, a consistent sense of, of, of his faith. So what do we do when, when our faith is shaken? What, what do we do when, when we get to this place where, as, as my friend would say, look, I'm just, I'm not sensing God 
anymore in our life. Because we all get there. We, we all get there at, at some point. And if you don't, I would, I, would, I would say, well, it's going to come. We all get to this place where it's, ah, what, do, what do we do? What do we do when we don't have the words? What do we do when, when we can't see clear evidence of God's movement in our own life and in, in our community? And I would suggest that the Lord's Prayer, one address, two statements, three requests, gives us language to answer that question of what do we do when everything else in our world is unstable? The Lord's Prayer, it, it provides consistency for the disciples and, and, and for us. And Jesus ends the parable with, with the picture of a, a parent providing for his or her, her children, saying, if your child asked for a fish, you wouldn't give them a snake. If they asked for an egg, you wouldn't give them a scorpion. You know, kids long for consistency from their parents. Kids long for, for stability from their parents. Now, in the Rody household, this illustration looks a little different. But before Thomas could even walk, I've told this story before, he would, he would walk or crawl up to the, the fridge and pound on the fridge first things in the morning. He was so hungry. Now this morning, it's a little, it's a little bit different. This morning, we, we know, okay, he needs to eat his first breakfast. We need to have it ready when he comes downstairs. And then he'll eat his second breakfast when the rest of the family eats as well. He's consistent every morning. This is what he needs to function. The Lord's Prayer provides that sort of consistency for us to function, for our faith to function. And I think it's also fair to say that as Thomas bangs on the, the, the fridge that he's persistent. That he's persistent. When he was younger, he'd pound and pound and pound until there was a response from mom and dad. He had to train us. When Jesus tells this parable, the visitor who shows up at midnight knocking on his neighbor's door is answered because he was like Thomas on the fridge. Banging, 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 knocking, knocking, knocking until there was an answer. Now, some, some translations of Scripture will, will, will translate this part of Jesus' parable saying that it was because of the shameless audacity or the boldness of the neighbor. Now, in the, in the first century, food wasn't readily available as it is today, so it's not like you could say, okay, I've got guests coming over, I need to go to the 24-hour store and, and have something ready. And at the same time, hospitality was incredibly important. So anytime someone showed up, morning, afternoon, midnight, you were expected to have something to offer them. You're expected to have something ready to go. Now, in most ancient Palestinian homes, there was only one room. And so when we read that the man was in bed with his kids, I mean, I think of bedtime at my own house and how many hours it takes to get all my kids wrangled into bed. So he had just done that. He had just wrestled his kids to bed. He had said the repeat after me prayer with his kids, and they had finally fallen asleep. Joe! I need some bread. Shh. Don't you know how hard it is to get kids to sleep? Don't, don't you know how much, how much work it takes? Shh. Are you home? Can I borrow some bread? Can I, can I come in? Shh. Don't you know my kids are asleep? Get out of here. What are you doing? Joe, my uncle... Twice removed. He just showed up from out of town. 
I really got to have some bread for him. It'd be really helpful if it was sourdough. I really got to have, I got to have something ready for him. Shh, get out of here. My kids are asleep. Please. Please. Jesus is telling the disciples and, and telling us to pray with that sort of boldness. Even, even when the rest of our life is, is inconsistent, even when the rest of our life doesn't feel settled, doesn't feel stable, to be consistent and persistent as we, we pray. He also tells the disciples to expect God to show up when they pray that way. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Now every time this passage is, is brought up, there's a, a danger of falling, in, falling into the trap of twisting the parable to mean something that it's not. That, that God is like when I talk about this passage, like a genie in a lamp. You just can call on the genie at any time. And that's, that's not what is being said here. The, the parable does lead us to believe that God is eager to grant our requests. But if we go back to the Lord's Prayer that Jesus would have just taught to his disciples, we see that the requests that Jesus makes are very, are very specific. What, what's the first request? Choir, I'm going to call on you. In the Lord's Prayer, what's our first request? Give us this. Give us this day our, our, our daily bread. The second one, forgive us our debts, trespasses, sins. That's whenever you're in an interfaith place, you just kind of pause and you listen to, sure. Forgive us our, our sins, as, or forgive us our debts as we forgive our others. And do not bring us into temptation, or do not bring us to a time of, of trial. Give us our daily bread. Take care of our physical needs. Don't give us a scorpion when we ask for an egg. Forgive us because we all know we screw up daily. Protect us from our own sinfulness, from our own brokenness, and all of the evil that exists in the world. Those three requests are, are quite specific. The three requests that Jesus gives are about basic needs and spiritual direction. Basic needs and spiritual direction. And we should be bold when we pray for those things. Expecting God to show up. As Jesus wraps up this, this parable about prayer, he, he tells the disciples to expect something that will never let them down. To expect something that will never let them down. Because... Let's be honest, in, in the, the two, kind of two parables that are here, the, the, the best parents, the best parents let down their kids every once in a while. And, and God says, no, 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 this is even better than the best, most reliable parent that is out there. He says that the Heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask, seek, and knock. It's through the Spirit that we experience God in tangible ways. And it's also through the Spirit that we can approach God with those very real, tangible requests. So the simple prayer. 
Simple prayer. Three things. An address. An address. Gracious God. Loving God. Father God. A statement or two. You are holy. You are good. Your kingdom is above all else. And our request. Basic needs. Spiritual direction. And if we pray that way consistently, persistently, and expectantly, Jesus tells us that we'll be heard and that the Spirit of God will be present with us. So this week, my my encouragement for us is to be intentional with our prayer, to, to create lives centered around a simple prayer. Your prayers don't have to be long. They don't have to be fancy. They can be funny, like my son's prayer. You can recite the Lord's Prayer itself if you don't have words, or you can just use the Lord's Prayer as a model and address statements, requests. But I would ask this week that we would all spend time praying. At the end of 1 Thessalonians, Paul leaves one of his his congregations with some encouraging words. They were trying to figure out what faith looked like in in their life and what it meant for their their future as, as well. And he writes, rejoice always and give thanks in all circumstances. In other words, share joy everywhere you go and be grateful. Those are good instructions that he leaves the church with. But in the middle of that, he says, and pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. May our prayer life as a church and as individuals be consistent, persistent, and expectant. Let's pray. God, there's so much about this world and our lives that seems chaotic and uncertain. And yet it's a gift to be able to turn to you in prayer. Loving God, help us to be a people who who regularly do that, that we turn to you, boldly expecting you to address our basic needs and guide our lives. God, we pray all these things in your name. Amen.